Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for January 19th, 2018. Seven game slate, and as per usual, a lot of injury situations to go through. So, Matt and I will jump into it. First game on the slate is the Spurs at the Raptors. From the Spurs side of the game, Kawhi Leonard has once again been shut down with the quad injury. It's kind of weird because this came out of nowhere where it seemed like his minutes were trending up. At least from watching him, he seemed like he was moving around fine and playing well, but for whatever reason, they're shutting him down indefinitely. Um, a lot of people have been asking me for yearly league, should they drop Kawhi Leonard? So I'll just say indefinitely doesn't mean the end of the season. It just means without a timetable. For all we know, Kawhi Leonard can come back next week. It doesn't seem like he's going to. It seems like they're going to hold him out for at least a couple weeks, maybe up until the All-Star break. But either way, if you're in a yearly league, you hold on to Kawhi Leonard. He should be really good when he comes back. And I don't really think that this is like a shutdown rest of the season type of injury. But in the short term, LaMarcus Aldridge, once again, is going to have to get a ton of usage within the Spurs offense. His price got up to 8600 which is the most expensive I believe he's been all year. This is a tough matchup in Toronto. So I think he's a fine cash play for GPPs. I don't think there's a lot of upside there. Kyle Anderson may be worth a GPP look if he starts again. But the issue is, earlier in the year when he was starting without Kawhi, there was also Danny Green was hurt for a little bit of the time. Uh, Davis Bertans is a bigger role in the offense now. So Anderson's a little bit more capped. Let me check. I think he didn't play a ton of minutes last game. It was, let's see, how many minutes did Kyle Anderson get? 22 minutes. So, yeah, maybe no on the Kyle Anderson then. Uh, what did uh, Danny Green also 28? So, yeah, not really a lot to see here. Tough matchup in Toronto. From the Toronto side of the game, we're starting to see the price for DeMar DeRozan go down. The price for Kyle Lowry has gone up. I think that it's just a fair price for them, especially in a really tough matchup. Overall, I think this game is just going to have to be a fade spot. Yeah, I think that everything you said makes sense. LaMarcus Aldridge could be an okay play. 8600 is probably an okay price for him generally. I think he's usable at that number in most matchups, but this is one of the more difficult matchups in the NBA. The Raptors are a top defense, but they also do play at kind of a fast pace, and we're seeing a little bit of line movement to the over already for this game. So I don't know. I think it kind of is overrated how tough it is fantasy production-wise against the Raptors because they do play fast. Uh, So even though they're good defensively, it kind of becomes a neutral matchup, but this is a road game, so that's a bit of a downgrade. And I think there's just better choices than Aldridge. So he's safe. I think if you're going contrarian elsewhere in a GPP lineup, you can expect a pretty decent floor from him. And this is the first game of the night, so we don't have to worry too much about Aldridge resting, because at least if he is resting, we'll know before lock, since this is the first game. I'm comfortable with him, but yeah, the rest of the game is just not really in play at all. I think maybe you could go with DeRozan. He might be lower owned than Lowry now, because... As you've said, just whoever's playing better recently gets the ownership. Uh, Both probably should be low-owned, though. So maybe you want to take a flyer on one or the other, pair with Aldridge, and hope this game is higher scoring than expected. But overall, just kind of an uninteresting game. So Toronto's defense, they are top five, I think it is, at limiting fantasy points to point guards, small forwards, and power forwards. Uh, But then they're just league average against centers and shooting guards. So... I guess that those are the positions where you target them, but it's still, I, I think this is just going to be a pretty 
tough defensive matchup, and nobody's really priced down for it either. Yeah, the pricing is just fair. It really, I you can make the case for everyone being a fringe play or almost everyone being a fringe play, but it, it does seem really fair. All right, next game is the Miami Heat at the Brooklyn Nets. From the Heat side of the game, Hassan Whiteside has been priced all the way up to 8400 He had one of his better games of the season last time out. It's actually the most fantasy points he had since opening night. It was the most minutes he's played in a really long time. But I don't trust him to play over 30 minutes again, and 8400 is just way more than I want to play for Whiteside. The two guys who I do think are in play here is Goran Dragic at 7500 and James Johnson at 5400 I really like James Johnson a bit lately. Now he's back in the starting lineup. Uh, three starts. He had two decent games and one dud. Uh, 28.5 fantasy points, 17.5, and 26.75. And he's also gotten into foul trouble in two of those games. So there's room for those minutes to go up. I think he could play over 30 minutes. And if you look at, he scored under 10 points in all three of those games, but still hit value in two of them. So 5,400 in a plus matchup against the Nets. I think that's a good situation for Jim Johnson. From the Nets side of the game, we have D'Angelo Russell is expected to play from the knee injury. He is for sure going to have some kind of minutes restriction. We don't know exactly what that number is right now. But D'Angelo Russell, when he's on the court, he uses a ton of usage. It's also a really down-paced game for the for the Nets. The Heat play at a slow pace. They're also a good defensive team. And they've also been trending upward. They've been playing really well over the last month or so. So the Nets are another team that, for me, is a fade with D'Angelo Russell taking away minutes and usage from the other Nets starters. Yeah, and this is a tough matchup for the Nets anyway. So they might not even be that usable if Russell wasn't back. And with him being back... It's just such a crowded situation for all of the guards. I mean, maybe you could consider Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. He shouldn't be too impacted by the return of Russell, but it's it's not a great spot for him either. I guess I'd throw him in if you already have Dragic and uh, James Johnson in the same lineup. Then maybe you're getting a little extra correlation there. But in general, I think James Johnson and Goran Dragic are the plays, and Dragic wasn't that good in the last game uh, with Tyler Johnson out. He should theoretically have more usage without Johnson there and with Deion Waiters already being out for the season. But the Bucks are just a really tough matchup, and the Nets are a, a lot easier of a matchup. And they might even be easier than they've been now because D'Angelo Russell's back, so a little more tempo to the games. Uh, Russell isn't a particularly good defender, so it's better for the Heat overall, I think, that Russell's playing. And while the game's not very stackable, it is a good spot for a couple of those Miami guys. Um, I'm off Whiteside, though. I think he could be pretty high-owned after the huge game he had. His minutes are still inconsistent, and he is priced up a lot. So I think it's just uh, Drogic and uh, James Johnson for me, too. All right, next game here, the Washington Wizards at the Detroit Pistons. From the Wizards' side of the game, this is a down pace matchup. We've got the home road splits for John Wall, so I'm off him for this game. One guy I do think is pretty interesting is Otto Porter has been priced all the way down to 5600 so I know that he has had a couple of weak games in a row, except he was playing so well earlier in the season that I'm willing to overlook it. Also, he was dealing with a hip injury, and that limited, well, supposedly was limiting him a little bit. But still, I mean, the last game was a blowout. He only played 23 minutes. They lost by a ton to the Hornets, so he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. Game four was a tough match against the Bucks, where he was being guarded by Giannis. So I think 5600 is just too cheap for him. This is the cheapest he's been since the end of December. 
And he's been over 7,000 at points in time this year. So 5,600, I think there's upside for Otto Porter there. From the Detroit side of the game, something that Matt and I noticed going into the last Wizards game is that their defense against centers has been really, really bad lately. I think that if we're trying to figure out the reason why, the most likely reason would be that Martin Gortat is playing more minutes for them now. And that means less minutes for Jan Mahimi. Mahimi's a decent defender. Gortat is not. And that's the only reason I could think of that their center defense has been so bad recently. So Andre Drummond is pretty expensive at 9900 but I still think he's worth using just because of how badly they've been getting decimated by centers. And then I don't really think there's anybody else at the moment that's a strong play for Detroit. But Avery Bradley and Stanley Johnson are both questionable to play. So if they're both ruled out, then there could be a cheap value guy who ends up moving into the starting lineup. So there's a little bit of an interesting note on the Vegas line movement here. In the last Wizards game where they were in Charlotte, the total for the game moved up from 211.5 to 216 before the game started, and it moved about a point in Charlotte's favor. They were one-point favorites and went to two-point favorites. So it was a big boost in expected output for Charlotte, but also a little bit of a boost for the Wizards' expected output. And I think we'll see that at least for the next couple games until Vegas adjusts, where Wizards games are going to be higher scoring than we've come to think of them. Maybe it is that Gortat effect. Maybe they were just playing unsustainably well against centers at the beginning of the season. Combination of two seems like the likely thing, where they're getting worse, but also their success defensively was just kind of lucky early on for one reason or another. So for this game, the total is moving up, but the line is also moving in the Wizards' favor. And I think that has a lot to do with Avery Bradley's status. So it's a it's an upgraded matchup for the Wizards without Bradley there. Um, I'll ask you this. Do you think Bradley would have been on Wall or Beal primarily? Because whoever it is, that's a, that's a boost in their matchup. I mean, I like Drummond and Otto Porter probably the most from this game, but either Wall or Beal would definitely see a boost without uh, Avery Bradley there to guard them. Yeah, to me, still the expected pace and just the road splits of those guys is still a concern for me. Uh, I don't know what it is about John Wall. I bring this up a decent amount, but his field goal percentage on the road is so starkly different from his field goal percentage at home that it's just a real thing, and it's not really built into the price. He's just always kind of priced for his average production. So I've just always found there's a little bit of value on John Wall when he's at home, and he's just always a little underpriced when he's on the road. I mean, overpriced when he's on the road. Well, with Beal being the shooting guard, I guess he's the one who probably gets that matchup boost if Bradley's out anyway. Um, so maybe Beal is the guy to target if you're going for a mini game stack with Porter, Drummond, Beal, and then whoever ends up starting in place of Bradley and Stanley Johnson, assuming Bradley's out. I think there are probably a few usable guys in this game uh, with the, I think it's sharp money on the over, at least some line movement on the over the night before the game. But uh, this is, I think it's an okay game to target, but only really a few players that stand out. Yeah, I mean, I still have the same issue with Beal, though, who shoots 48% at home and 44% on the road. So whatever it is, that entire – maybe there's bigger rims in Washington. <laughs> but I, I don't know. There's something weird going that's on. That's probably something we would have uh, heard about by now if that's what was going on. I, yeah, I'm not sure. All right. The next game is the Sacramento Kings at the Memphis Grizzlies. This game is going to be really hard to draw an opinion on right now because from the Kings side of the game, we know that they're going to be resting two to three veterans. We have no clue which veterans they're going to be. In addition to that, Scalabissier is questionable to play. He missed last game, so 
I think there's a decent chance he ends up sitting out again. And then from the Memphis side of the game, there's a ton of injuries here also. They have the flu going around their locker room. So Marcus Saul and Brandon Wright, they both have the flu right now. And then Andrew Harrison's also questionable play with a shoulder injury. So just really not enough information to make a good decision here. Uh, it's possible that we see Deontay Davis start again. Maybe there'll be extra minutes for Jermichael Green if Marcus Sol and, and uh, Brandon Wright are out. Maybe Marcus Sol's out and Brandon Wright plays and he starts. We just don't know right now. Yeah, one other guy to mention because yeah, there there aren't really any conclusions we can draw except sort of list the potential values. But Ivan Rab had a pretty decent game off the bench for the Grizzlies last game. I'm trying to find if he's in the player pool or not because I think he was not for the last game. Um, uh, no, he was. He was min price. Okay, he still is min price. Then uh, he had twelve fantasy points in fourteen or so minutes. Yeah, I guess he needs a few more minutes there to probably be usable. But Deonta Davis would be the guy again if Gasol and uh, Brandon Wright are out again. The Knicks went small ball in the fourth quarter, and then the Grizzlies went small ball. Or I guess I, I don't know which team went first, but both teams were going small ball at the end of that game. So the Lakers, I guess, are less. Um, I mean, the Kings are less likely to go small ball than the Knicks are. The Kings just have a lot of big men. So maybe we can expect a higher minutes floor for Deonta Davis. But again, we're going to need to see if Gasol and Brandon Wright are playing. I do feel more comfortable, though, in Davis than uh, than I guess maybe most people do after seeing him only play about half the game against the Knicks last night. And... He could go lower owned because he was pretty chalky and he kind of put up a dud. I mean, he was close to hitting value, but just looking at the 13 points in your in your lineup, I guess that might draw some people off of him. So I have no problem with Davis, but obviously we'll need to know uh, what the injury situation is. Yeah, he also got the he also just got totally stat corrected to hell at the end of the game because there was a point he went into halftime with three steals and a block. And finished the game with one steal and zero blocks. So not that not that, that means that's any reason to play him or not play him. Except he is somebody who does get a decent amount of defensive stats. And I think he's fine to roster at 3,800. Uh, just it would, it would need to be the right circumstances, though. He would have to be in the starting lineup again. Yeah, I'll agree with you. Regardless of how it played out, the fact that he was stat corrected down to those defensive numbers, uh, I guess that's not the point. But... Only one defensive number for Davis is less than we should expect from him. He is a defensive-oriented player who should block a shot or two most games if he's playing that many minutes. So, yeah, with only, uh, was it one block and no steals, I think we can expect some improvement there if he's starting again. Okay, next game here is the Phoenix Suns at the Denver Nuggets. I think this is a pretty decent game to target. I think that uh, Devin Booker and TJ Warren are both in play. Uh, let's see, what have Tyson Chandler's minutes been like recently as a starter? Uh, the other thing also is that once again, we have um, uh, Marquise Chris is out and Dragon Bender's drawing another start. I don't like Dragon Bender. Uh, Tyson Chandler hasn't been playing more minutes. I thought maybe Chandler had been playing more minutes without Marquise Chris. But I think Devin Booker and TJ Warren are fine to play from the Phoenix side of the game. And then from the Denver side of the game, this is another team where what's their starting lineup going to look like? The combination of Mason Plumlee and Nikola Jokic has been awful this year, but Mike Malone really likes to roll it out for some reason. The Trey Lyles-Jokic combination has been much better. So if Trey Lyles starts, I think that he's in play, and I think that makes Jokic a better play. If Mason Plumlee is going to start next to Jokic, 
then I just don't think we could really roster Jokic. I still think that Gary Harris and Will Barton are fine plays no matter what, and I think Wilson Chandler is a pretty decent play because he's at 4,300, and the last two games without uh, – or last the la- yeah, the last two games he's played 38 and 33 minutes. So there should be plenty of minutes for Wilson Chandler anyway. Um, yeah, we just have to wait and see what the starting lineup looks like. I hope that it's Mason Plumley on the bench. Yeah, I do too. And I'll say Will Barton is definitely the guy to target still with Jamal Murray out. Uh, more usage for Barton, more minutes for Barton. He's basically playing point guard most of the time that he's in. So it's a really strong spot for him, and he's still underpriced. He's been bumped, uh, I think he was 5600 last game, now he's at 65 But that's still too cheap. And I think the other guys who are fairly safe, Wilson Chandler, yeah, you mentioned the minutes. Um, that's pro- And I guess Gary Harris is probably safe too, but... Jokic definitely needs to not be playing with Mason Plumley to be that usable. So we'll need to see the starting lineup for him. And then whoever's starting between Plumley and Lyles, I think I would go that route. Uh, would you use Mason Plumley or because uh, he's coming off a huge game, he might be fairly chalky, but it would also probably be contingent on him starting. Yeah, I don't think so. Just because I don't buy into the minutes because his minutes were not really existent as a starter. I'll bring it up really quick. But So he played a lot of minutes last game, but I tend to think that if we look at all of the other games where he started where he didn't play a lot of minutes, I would think that would be the case again. And I think by and large part we're going to see Trey Lyles play more of the minutes over Plumlee because that was what he had as the situation before. So, yeah, Plumlee played 30 minutes last game, but it starts before that, 21, 24, 22, 27, 17, 17, 24, 22. So I'm more apt to think that he plays in that 22 to 24 minute range because the 30 minutes really seems like an anomaly and not something to expect going forward. Yeah, he did play well in this game though, and Jamal Murray isn't available, so the Nuggets are more inclined to go with bigger lineups. So it might be a little bit more of a minutes floor, I guess, than what you're saying. But I think I agree, not significantly enough where Plumlee makes for a great value. I think if he's starting though, he's playable, but he's not. I'd rather use Wilson Chandler for similar price. I think I'd still rather use Trey Lyles, even if he's coming off the bench, um, because the Nuggets should realize at some point, maybe if it's not the beginning of the game, but at least uh, at some point during the game, that they're just better with Trey Lyles on the court. So there there maybe is more upside for Lyles, because he could be lower owned and he could get more minutes. But he's either... I'll, I'll go back to the Suns for a second, though. I, I certainly agree with fading Dragon Bender. He's been really popular in a lot of games in a row, and he just doesn't do very much. He's just not that good. So I think it's – I'd be limited to Booker and Warren. I don't think this is a great stack spot, though, because there is some blowout risk. Um, it's not the best matchup for Booker against Gary Harris. And Warren, who has missed some games recently – I guess there's mid-game injury risk or minutes restriction risk. Um, I I don't really have much faith in the Suns keeping the game close, so I guess that's the biggest reason I wouldn't want to stack too heavily. Yeah, I think for more, it's more for me. I'm just looking at the other games on the slate, and I don't think there's another game that I prefer to stack over that one. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, this, This is not a very stackable slate, so... I don't know. If you think the Suns would be low-owned, then there is more upside there. But I don't actually think they will be that low-owned, at least not Devin Booker, who's just been unbelievable lately and had a huge game with over 60 fantasy points in Portland his last time out. Um, I'd like the game for a stack more if the ownership were going to be lower. 
Um, but yeah, I, I agree that it might be the best of bad choices for stack spots. Okay, next game. Indiana Pacers at the LA Lakers. For the Pacers side of the game, this is the tail end of a back-to-back for them. But still, this is a really plus matchup. I think the guys in play for them are Oladipo, Sabonis, and Thaddeus Young. From the Lakers side of the game, this is another one where we just have a lot of injury and uh, a lot of injury news right here. Uh, we have Contavious Caldwell-Pope is out. Lonzo Ball is out. Brandon Ingram is questionable. Kyle Kuzma is questionable. So Tyler Ennis likely starts at point guard again at 3,900. The issue is he's just not playing a ton of minutes as the starting point guard. Let's see. He played 20 minutes last start and the start before that, 17 and 21, 22. It just knotted up minutes. The minutes really been spread around in the Lakers' backcourt. If Ingram and Kuzma are both out, there's value here. It's just so hard to trust who's going to play. I feel most confident saying that Randall is definitely going to get minutes. Uh, Josh Hart should get plenty of minutes. Larry Nance should get plenty of minutes. And Clarkson's a good play, but I'm less I'm not 100% confident he plays a lot of minutes, but he would be a really good value play should he get the minutes. So I think that he makes for a really strong GPP play if Ingram is out. Yeah, I I think it's worth taking the flyer on Clarkson. We were using him at much higher prices than this just a few weeks ago, but his minutes have been so inconsistent. and That's probably even the wrong way to say it. They've just been consistently low. I guess once in a while he plays more minutes, but usually he's just playing 20 or less at this point. But with so many guys out, I feel like the Lakers would have to play him and we'll really just need to see inf- injury information here. It's a difficult spot, though, because the game is one of the later games on the slate. So we're we're maybe Deep not... The last game. Yeah, uh, we still have the... Well, we have the Knicks and Jazz at the same time. No, I'm saying in terms of start time. Yeah, it's uh, it's tied for the last game. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be tough to know this information before lock, so hopefully we get it. But if we don't... I think Randall is the safest for sure, and then it might just be guesswork on the rest of the guys. Um, maybe this is a better game stack spot if we know that guys on the Lakers are are out and we know which guys to target, because uh, the prices on the Pacers are still reasonable. It's the second game of a back-to-back. Uh, Victor Oladipo is a little more expensive, but 9,600 has kind of just been usable for him, or in the mid-nines has been usable for him. With Miles Turner out, there's more usage. So I have no problem with the Pacers. I think I'd be more inclined to stack this game than the Nuggets game uh, unless we get more favorable lineup information for that Denver game. Yeah, and the last game on the slate, this will be quick. Knicks at Utah. This is a fade for me. Rudy Gobert is expected to play for the Jazz. That makes it a much tougher matchup for the Knicks, and then that really kills any of the value that was in the Utah front court, And then just the backward guys like, Donovan Mitchell, Rodney Hood, they're all more expensive now. I'm going to throw out one name that I think is usable. It's a bad matchup for him, but he might get the minutes. Ennis Cantor is going to have to play more if Gobert and Favors are on the court. Um, And I also don't know how much he'll actually be going head-to-head with Gobert because of the minutes restriction. Gobert might be playing in short spurs, and Cantor ends up playing minutes where Gobert is sitting on the bench. So 5,800 is kind of cheap, and if Ennis Cantor gets 30 minutes... He should hit value pretty easily, even if some of those minutes are against Rudy Gobert. But overall, this uh, this is a very bad spot with the Jazz now fully healthy, players priced up, uh, a lot of minutes to go around for a lot of different guys. So there's really no one usable on Utah. And the Knicks have Tim Hardaway back, so it's 
it's a, it's a really tough spot for them. But Ennis Kanter does seem a little cheap, so I guess he's someone I might consider if uh, if we think he's going to get the minutes. Yeah, I just I just can never trust trust the minutes because they're usually not there. But we will see. Uh, I mean, this could be this slate could really go one of a couple of ways. There could be a ton of value early. Well, three ways. There could be a ton of value early in the day where we find out a bunch of guys are out or we find out a bunch of guys are in, and then there's really not a lot of value. Or the other situation where it becomes a really tough slate to play is if we go into lock not knowing injury information because there's just so many games that start late with so many guys who are questionable. So still look out for the injury information tomorrow. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at GAaronBergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense, and we'll be back next week.